And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Vance. And Pastor Vance, it's an honor to have you on with us today. You know, it's always a delight for me, Dan, to, uh, not only to hear your voice, but to uh, speak uh, to those who are listening. <laughs> As some of our listeners know, you're a fellow board member, and um, we take what you have to say very seriously. So we appreciate uh, touching base with you on a regular basis, and thank you very much for joining us today. There's a lot going on in this big, wide world of ours. It's really God's world. He's Lord over all, uh, not only the church, but in every aspect of life. And sometimes we are affronted by the things that we encounter in life. They take us by surprise or they hurt us. Um, They undermine many times uh, what the church is attempting to do in terms of obeying the Great Commission. So uh, let's just open it up today. Um, I have no, I have basically a blank sheet of paper in front of me (laughs) with with your name on it and today's date, and let's just see where this discussion goes. What are some of the things that you have on your mind? You're a former pastor. I should have mentioned that you're the former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church Rock Tavern, New York. You're now living in West Virginia. So what's on your mind nowadays as you look out into this big world that God owns? Well, let's start with the fact that it is God's world, and we should not forget that. Underneath us, the Scripture says, are the everlasting arms of a Heavenly Father. And what we go through today in our time in history uh, is is, uh, undergirded by that great and wonderful image that underneath us are the everlasting arms of a loving God. Uh, well, what's on my mind? You know, I, I, when I was uh, pastoring, I read a lot on on uh, culture and politics and religion. Uh, maybe some of the people uh, don't know, but I was a lecturer uh, at a at SUNY New Paltz for 20 years, in, and I taught courses in philosophy. Uh, and religion. I actually taught world religion. So I got to know a good bit about uh, the relationship between religion and culture and politics and ethics. And what I want to remind the people is that the political turmoil that we're going through today uh, is is kind of the fruit. Politics is kind of the fruit of culture. Mm. Culture is downstream, as they say, uh, from politics. In other words, uh, politics arises out of our culture. So something is going wrong, not just simply in politics, but in culture. But there's another thing that I think people uh, may not have heard before, and that is that culture is actually uh, not the fundamental thing, but religion. I used to remind students that if you want to understand another country or a civilization, let's take uh, China or India, uh, you may want, if you want to understand India, you may want to, first of all, uh, study Hinduism so that you understand the culture and then the politics mm. and then the way people live in their ethical life. And the same thing is in China. I think one of the things you have to do in China is is to study Confucianism and, and 
and to study the religions that uh, have come out of the East. If you want to understand uh, Japan, uh, that for sure is very important. Uh, so anyway, uh, those relationships, I think our people need to begin to understand in a better way because then that helps us to understand what's happened with our families. You know, the two-parent family that Christians have depended upon uh, really is not the norm in our day. It's not the norm. Mm, uh, there, there is so much divorce, uh, and there are so much uh, going on in our society with single-parent homes that really we have a, 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 a malformed uh, culture happening in our day. Mm. Yes. So, so that that really is on my mind. It's then the second thing I think it's on my mind that that is disturbing in a way is that Christianity really does not have the command in our culture that it once had. Mm. Uh, up through the 1950s, uh, Christianity was indeed the primary uh, culture shaping force uh, in our nation, but it's not today. It's clearly secularism or even Marxism. Do you ever find um, the notion of some people saying, well, there really shouldn't be a mix of religion and politics? They may, they may counter with that. Well, that is, a, a, of course, rooted in the idea that we have separation of church and state. We do. But that's a formal relationship on the informal side. You always bring something to the table to your politics. Uh, everybody brings their morality to the to the political table. When I step into the voting booth to vote, I'm really voting my morality as much as anything. Mm. And my morality is formed by Christianity. Another person's morality may be formed by secularism or Marxism. Mm-hmm. So we're all bringing something already preformed in us uh, to the voting booth. So. Uh, yes, it's separated formally, but not informally. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be, and it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, um, I'm encouraged. Um, I'm very challenged, but also very encouraged. Um, we've seen a lot of cancel culture going on, and um, I, I, I think maybe the biggest example of, is Twitter and Facebook canceling the accounts of our former president. Um you know, at first that seemed like, oh man, how dare they? Those those lousy bums. Mm-hmm. But um, actually, that's good because because now other platforms have sprung up that are truly more Christian and more uh, free speech based. And so th- there was this um, kind of vacuum out there, and now it's being filled with good alternatives. So I see it kind of positive. Well, there's a, the verse, I can't remember where it is now, but you intended it for evil, but God That's it. intends it for good. <laughs> and uh, God is sovereign, and he's still looking after us, and I say that we're undergirded by the arms of an everlasting God. We should never despair when he's in charge, and we know he is. So mm-hmm. that's a good point, Dan, uh, that you raise, and it's, it's truly God brings good things out of out of nothing or yeah. good things out of bad things. Yeah. And um, I was also encouraged, since we're touching upon government here, um, government, um, one of the things is elections, so we can elect our representatives. And um, 
I don't want to wander too far into this, but simply to say I'm encouraged when I see something that's happening in Arizona where there's a forensic audit taking place. Um, That basically means they just want to get to the bottom and make sure that these votes that were counted a certain way indeed uh, are real and 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 are they trustworthy? I see that as a win-win. Um, you know, if they find a problem, that's a win. We can address it. If they don't find a problem, then that will encourage us to vote um, because our vote really does count. So to me, it's all good. Yes, uh, that is an excellent way to view this uh, whole process. I've begun to see it that way, too, hmm. that uh, what's taking place in Arizona is not uh, something that would have happened unless there had been problems with the election. Now, there were problems with the election, no matter how you may view it or whether it was stolen or not, but there were problems. For instance, Pennsylvania changing its laws, not through the legislature, but by uh, divine uh, government fiat and judges. Yeah, it felt so, like divine uh, fiat. And they don't have the power to do that. Yes. And, and they don't have the power to do that. Yeah, they behaved as if they were God. <laughs> and... Uh, it's exposing uh, that sort of thing, uh, among other things. And we have to have uh, the belief that our elections matter and that there is integrity uh, in the process. Now, let's uh, go back to the very fundamentals, um, and you've covered it already a little bit, and that is our religion. Uh, To understand a country, you must understand its religion. And uh, that has been shifting in America. Not all is lost, but we certainly are in need of revival and reformation, right? Oh, absolutely. This is a, we want to broaden the base as well as we can, and we call it a Judeo-Christian culture. And it is because it's rooted in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, obviously from a Christian perspective. But nonetheless... Uh, this is the formation of our culture. It grows out of certain values. You remember the founders, or at least two founders, said, uh, Franklin, I believe, is the one that said this, uh, we've given you a republic if you can keep it. <laughs> and, of course, it was made for a religious and moral people of a certain kind. Mm. Uh, and and that is very important. Actually, our founding documents, in one sense, have been renewed through revivals. Mm. We call them, uh, in, in historical perspective, we call them Great Awakenings. Uh, the, the first one occurred under Jonathan Edwards uh, and George Whitfield, and and uh, there was a second Great Awakening in the early 1800s when a lot of colleges and things were established. And we also had the last one kind of in the 60s among the Jesus people. Uh, yeah. But these Great Awakenings have renewed us to some extent uh, and kept us on a path. And there's nothing more uh, needed today, it seems to me, than another uh, great awakening of sorts among the people that are, uh, are are confused and unclear. It does help center us. Yeah, for sure. I'm reminded, too, of something that happened in history in the early church. Uh, after Jesus was ascended on high, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit was given, and that empowerment— uh, allowed God's people to this very day 
to carry out his uh, command, that great commission. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, um, we have nothing. Well, that's 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 obviously uh, a very important point. Uh, Jesus Jesus uh, gave us a command and said, "I will be with you," and He's with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And and we must never forget that uh, the Spirit's presence is is God, uh, the Trinity's presence in our lives. And yes, we live in His power, and uh, He opens doors and closes doors. <laughs> and leads us in ways that we don't quite understand sometimes, but he is in charge. And even the new birth itself, um, when God quickens the spiritual eyes of an individual, and he then responds, or she then responds to the word of God preached, uh, the word has to be central. And then that quickened by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's truly a miraculous thing, and yet um, it's... Um, it's decent and in order and in keeping with the Word of God, right? Yes, you, you, you are correct indeed. I think, I think I'm correct on this. Wasn't it Lydia that Paul spoke to, and the Scripture says that he spoke to her the Word of God, and the Spirit opened her eyes or <laughs> opened her heart? Yes. Uh, that's, that, that's what preaching uh, and teaching uh, of the Scriptures uh, is is why it's so important, and that is because it is the instrument of the Holy Spirit. The gospel uh, being preached and proclaimed and taught is an opportunity for people to to have their eyes open mm. and to see. Yes, uh, we we live in at a time in our history when it's clear that there is sighted people and and people who are blind. And I'm not talking about physically; mm-hmm. I'm talking about culturally and religiously. Uh, the uh, that's why we can't communicate. One side says to the other, "You know, you are, you are crazy," mm. and the other side says, "No, you're the crazy one. You're delusional." Well, uh, there are three possibilities there. Both of us are delusional, <laughs> or one side is delusional, and the other side is correct. And I happen to think that when we are centered in Christ and through the gospel, that truly our eyes are open. Mm. And we see clearly the way things are. Yes, yes. Um, God gives gifts to his people, and um, I might be good at one thing, um, but I can't get up in the pulpit and preach the way you used to, or the way our current pastor, Kevin, preaches. I couldn't possibly do that. I'm just not gifted in that. Um, Can we talk a little bit about the varieties? My goodness, there's a some set of varieties of skills and gifts in this world, are there not? You know, I can illustrate this from a story I just recently heard. I have a niece who is an EMS worker. She's a, a, a tall girl, about 5, 10, or 11, and she's, well, she's not a girl. She's in her 40s, late 40s, I think, or 45. And uh, she's a tall, blonde girl, and she is an EMS worker, and uh, she lives in Grand Rapids, and a fellow was trying to commit suicide, and uh, the police were able to pull him out, and she got down to help him, and he says, I'm no good, I'm no good. And she started shouting at him that God, you know, nobody loves me, and she started shouting at him that God loves you. <laughs> Listen, God loves you uh, over his uh, 
uh, deranged and despairing uh, soul. Mm. So uh, the police were quite impressed. They even, uh, some, many of them brought the cameras out. Everybody has a camera, of course, <laughs> and took pictures of it. But here's this woman leaning over him and telling him about the love of God. Yes, there are all kinds of gifts that God's people <laughs> had. I don't have the gift to do that. No. And uh, I can do it from the pulpit, but here's my, my niece doing it on the ground in yeah. horrible situation and matter of life and death. Yes, God's yeah. gifts are different in his people. Yes, yes. Well, today we're talking with Dr. John Vance. He's the former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York, now living in West Virginia. Um Tell us just a little bit about your home life. Um, do you have any pets at home? <laughs> I've got two cats, Dad. I was never a cat person. <laughs> but having raised two girls, they made me into, they they introduced me to cats. And <laughs> I've had to learn to love cats. I've always That's been funny. a dog person. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've got two cats that, that uh, pester me. While I study at my desk or whatever, they they're both very vocal, and That's funny. Uh, I get mad at them. But I'm also delighted that I've got them. They're great companions while my wife is gone. That's right. I was going to say, oh, you know, you just like those cats. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we um, we remember your wife. Um, she um, supported you while at Westminster, and uh, she for a while filled in very ably at the organ, and we appreciated that uh, so much. Um, for a long time, she would help at the organ, and very good organist. Um, what's next? What else is on your mind, Pastor John Vance, that you'd like to talk to our listeners about today? Maybe I could mention uh, uh, three things that uh, people need to to, to maybe be thinking about and working on. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we have, uh, we, we have so denigrated the police, uh, in our society that I'm, I'm very concerned about what's going on. Uh, I saw a video recently of a, a Mexican, uh, American policeman pulling a woman over out in California and she, is calling him a, a killer and all this kind of stuff. I saw that one. Yes, I remember that. I think we need to start really praying for our police. Uh, you can't have a civil society without order, and you can't have order without uh, someone who's willing to do the hard work at that level. Mm. And that's what the police do. But But we do live in the age of propaganda. I just want to mention that in the year 2019... Uh, out of the tens of millions of encounters with police, only 14, at most, or some people argue eight, only 14 uh, black men were shot that were unarmed. Mm. Uh, now think of that and think what, uh, what, what people actually have in their minds. Uh, I heard people being interviewed on the street about this and and, and the interviewer was asking them, how many uh, black men have been killed by the police? And, and uh, they would say hundreds, thousands. And, and one person even says, well, it's a genocide. Hmm. Well, we're talking about 14 
people at most in in the year 2019 out of over uh, 7,000 black people that were murdered and 90% of those by other blacks. So Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization that has no real regard for black human lives or uh, what takes place in the city of Chicago. Yes. uh, And the number of murders in one year, uh, the police uh, in their trying to enforce the law and order uh, would not be able to match in in, uh, 50 years so mm. I, I don't know. It's 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 the propaganda needs to. Uh, we, we need to wake people up with some knowledge. Uh, That's right. Another thing that bothers me is this gender and sex matter. Um, you know there are only two sexes. There's the XX sex and the XY sex. XX is uh, female and XY is male. Um, and. Um, there's a there's a new book out that I, I have not read, but it's been recommended to me, and it's called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And Abigail Shearer, I do not think is a Christian, but she's written on this subject, and she said this is anti-human, and mm. too many of our young women are not necessarily wanting to become young men, but they don't want to be young women. And the scriptures teach us to teach the younger women. Let the older women teach the younger women. It is meaning how to be a woman, mm. how to appreciate their femininity and the way God has made them. Uh, the The left is trying to uh, uh, throw confusion in the order that God has established for our welfare. That is a great concern for me. Yes, uh, and I'm hoping and praying that our young men and our young women will be taught properly uh, by our our families. And a third problem is, of course, the I've already alluded to the 2019 project, which absolutely has to be stopped in its tracks. Yes. So those are my concerns, but I'm 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 even more hopeful about what we can do about it. And uh, a, a, a verse that has stuck with me all of my life, particularly at the time of funerals, is teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. Yes. Uh, and that project, again, the name of that was what, the uh, 1619? Yeah, the 1619 project yes. is a diabolical project that some of our young Christian men and women are going to have to get on the local school boards and stop. Yes, yes. Um yeah, this is a real concern, what you just mentioned here. Um, I love the the ideal, which is actually, it can be met, and that is uh, a Christian home with a mom and a dad. I see many such families at our church, actually, um, where the young people, you know, it's not perfect. You know, there may be times when people get on each other's nerves, and there's, you know, concerns and arguments and whatever, but... There's love. There's Christian love, and um, that's that's a beautiful thing to watch. Now, I'm looking at the clock. We've got two minutes left. Let's wrap this up with encouragement for the people of God going forward. Well, I, I, I would say this. Uh, again, I mentioned to number your days. That has to do with purpose. Your purpose in life is to prepare yourself to meet God. Mm. Everything else is secondary. 
and it's through the grace of God in Christ Jesus that we do that. And 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 numbering your days is really uh, enables you to live uh, a fulfilled life and a life that is in the light of Christ and His glory. And uh, uh, to the glory of God is is the way we are to live, and that that verse teaches that. But uh, Dan, I'm concerned about Christian men and women, uh, families, passing their faith on to the children. Amen. Uh, pass the faith on to the children. Uh, the Psalms are very beautifully uh, written, and they are written in such a way that I think that if people will look up certain verses, like I'm going to give people a verse to look up, 145.4, read it over and over. It has to do with passing on the faith. Or 78.4. Uh, that I think we need to be we filled with the scriptures to keep on understanding what our role is in life. Uh, you got to get your people, back, young people, back in church. Mm. Uh, that's that's the gap that's happening between this generation of older people and the younger generation. We we find that uh, the relay race they dropped the baton. We've dropped the baton, mm. and our younger people in their twenties and and 30s are not back in church, and, and we're going to have to do something about that. Yes. Uh, and be much more studious. Uh, the teaching ministry of the church is the way to correct this, and the way to correct all of this insane thinking is to understand the Scriptures and what's going on and the way God has constructed the world. Mm, so so, true. so that's, that's my concern, those things. And love your families. You mentioned that earlier. Mm. Love your families, your church, and your nation. That's the way God's constructed us, that we might uh, be patriots, we might be good family members, and we might love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our guest today has been Dr. John Vance, former pastor, Westminster Presbyterian Church Rock Tavern, now living in West Virginia, also a board member here at Redeemer. Pastor Vance, I want to thank you very, very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer 